0: hopefully the connection will stay good. Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest. His name is Robert Robert or goes by Roberto Marshall. We're going to talk about a podcast that he's involved in on a subject I was very interested in. Title of that podcast is Trickster, The Many Lives of Carlos Castaneda. Somebody who was very popular in the 60s, kind of a countercultural figure, but uh, there's also some interesting aspects, kind of a shadow uh, world in his in his background. And uh, Mr. Marshall is going to talk more about that. So, Robert Marshall, are you there?
1: I am here and glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not have heard your name or this project, can you talk about your background and what led you to compile this all of this audio together in this
1: podcast, Trickster? Sure. Um, I'm uh, I'm a novelist, and um, uh, quite some time ago, I published a novel that was kind of a coming of age novel set in the in the '70s with a crisis of faith theme. But the faith was New Age religion, and uh, the name Carlos Castaneda just came up a lot. And I had read his books when I was a kid. And when it came out, my agent suggested that I write a little article about whatever happened to Carlos Castaneda. And um, I started looking into it and just went down a rabbit hole, which um, hopefully I'm about to emerge from. Uh, my biography of Castaneda is coming out next, uh, uh, next fall from University of California Press.
0: Cool. Congratulations. What's the title of that book?
1: Carlos Castaneda, American Trickster. And, and I should say from the start that I'm the co-producer of the podcast Trickster, but the director of it is Frank Horton. So okay, cool. I, I need to give him give him do credit for
0: that. Okay, I apologize for that. Can you talk about, uh, so you got into Carlos oh, no. Castaneda. Maybe the simple question is who was Carlos
1: Castaneda? Sure. Well, just to start with, Carlos um, reached became, began to rise to fame in 1968 with the publishing of a book called The Teachings of Don Juan, A Yaqui Way of Knowledge. Um, and at the time, Carlos was actually a dropout from the uh, University of California graduate program in anthropology. And this book very quickly became, uh, at the time they called them underground bestsellers, then it quickly became an overground bestseller. And in it, he told the story of how he had met a shaman, Don Juan, um, in the Sonoran Desert, who had introduced him to three psychedelics, to Datura, to mushrooms, and to peyote, and even more importantly, to an entire way of seeing the universe that had supposedly never before been um, revealed to to a Westerner, so-called Westerner. And uh, for about five years, um, these books went pretty much unquestioned, at least publicly, within academia uh, um, and in the mainstream media. He was lavishly praised by pretty much everyone, New York Times, um, Harper's, you, you name it. Um, by the mid-70s, um, some doubts began to appear. In the end, it turns out, um, basically, absolutely everything was was made up. Um, they were novels that he managed to pass off as anthropology. Um, but he was never really publicly taken down in the way that, say, somebody like James Fry who wrote um, ah. A Million Little Pieces was um, by, with, by Oprah. Um, right. And uh, Carlos's books continue to sell well. Um, he continues to have a, a worldwide following. And in the 90s, he, he, had always, he started to, to develop a cult in the 1960s. And I don't just mean a kind of cult in the sense of a cult following, but a real cult with um, mostly women who changed their names, um, cut off their families, most of them, not all of them, um, and followed him. Um, In the 90s, that group went public. Um, They started holding seminars and workshops. Thousands of people came to Sim because Carlos was the most mysterious author in the world. He never allowed himself to be photographed. Um, There are very few extant recordings of his voice. Um, So when it came out that Carlos Castaneda had had emerged, um, this was a huge thing among his followers. Um, He told his followers that um, they would, if they had enough will and they practiced something called tensegrity, which he claimed was a movement technique that had been passed down by 25 generations of Toltec shamans, that they would be able to make a leap into another dimension, and they would not have to die. Um, when Carlos died in 1998 from liver cancer, um, yeah, uh, five, five of these women um, disappeared. And the remains of uh, one of them, uh, Nuri Alexander, was uh, later found in. in Right.
0: She was found in Death Valley. Right. And that kind of is. That's the beginning
1: of. of, Right. That's the
0: beginning. Right. That's the beginning of the story. But he, um, even on his current Amazon page, it's a fake picture of him. So he engendered this kind of mysterious, kind of. uh element about his care about his outward authorship but he really was a um was it uh anthropology student at ucla correct
1: absolutely and in a certain sense he was a real anthropologist he studied anthropology when it came to a very narrow field of anthropology he actually knew a great deal he knew everything that he needed to know to pull off um, what I, I think is the, you know, the, certainly up there with the Piltdown Man as the greatest hoax in the, in the history of anthropology and probably the greatest literary hoax ever. Because one thing that distinguished Carlos from other cult leaders and hoaxers was that he was brilliant. And at his best, he was a very good writer his cult, I, I call it a, a culture cult because you had to be, you had to be uh, pretty highly educated and well-read and smart. He wasn't, and he at the end, he, he loosened things up, but he wasn't just taking anybody there. Right. Um, and just to go back to your question, um, Carlos was a great storyteller and he knew how to get people to go along with those stories. And then repeat those stories, and those became part of the public record. Um, And so, one of the great challenges in writing this biography was to sift through kind of countless um, fantasy stories that he had made up. You know, to begin with, his name, you know, his real name is Carlos Castaneda. You know, every single thing that people thought they knew about him was not true
0: wow it's really incredible he's from like he claimed he was from um brazil but he was really from peru he had a different last name so he really just created this whole he he was like the really kind of an american huckster who came and started a whole new identity right
1: yeah he's a i think of him as a huckster of you know both both americas um but one thing that he did figure out pretty fast was that he could say Almost anything, this is in the 60s and early 70s in California, about what was going on south of the Rio Grande. And, you know, gringos believed it all. And he knew, as good con men do, what people wanted to hear and what the society wanted to hear at the moment. And it was a time when there was a huge revaluation of traditional, you know, white North American attitudes towards indigenous people and an attempt to come to terms with some of the horrific history. Um, and rather than making people deal with you know the horrible reality of it, he gave them this magical fantasy Indian who would lead them you know to, to other realms and other and other realities.
0: Right. He called them Don Juan, right? So Don Juan was a brujo or a uh, kind of a magic person from an indigenous magician, but also it gave them also the opportunity to see drugs as a spiritual thing, which they really wanted. So you're absolutely right that he did that. And the intro, I mean, the chapter one had so many famous names and famous people mm-hmm. who were influenced
1: by Castaneda. Can you talk about that? Absolutely, I mean, everyone was, uh, was interested, or people, you know, Joni Mitchell, um, uh, Named an album after him, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. Uh, Mark Gay was a big fan. Um, uh, Oliver Stone is a huge fan. Um, the Eagles um, uh, and uh, you know all kinds of of, of novelists were into him. And people, you know, people in the arts tended to be um, very drawn to these books. I think in part because Carlos, but the. When he was back in Peru, he was an art student, um, and a lot of his appeal was that he, you know, he wrote about these things with that with that knowledge. Um, so, yeah, um, the first person who really called him out was um, Joyce Carol Oates in a 1973 letter to the New York Times, where she wrote, "Oh, I don't know, am I the only one who thinks these books are actually novels?" Um, And other people had had their doubts, but what Carlos knew was that when you get a consensus of people going along with something and when they have a kind of emotional investment in a belief, you know, whether it's Santa Claus or whether it's Donald Trump, it's really the same principles that are at work. And when all of the people who are around them um, also believe the same thing, it becomes very hard for people to say they were wrong, or right? To
0: go against the grain, go against that. the grain. Right? The
1: kind of yeah, we're conformist animals. And Carlos, before studying anthropology, um, when he was um, an undergraduate, studied um, psychology. He took a one class specifically in you know manipulation of uh, behavioral manipulation of people living in group situations. And what he went on to do in the cult was really to just apply the same kind of maneuvers that he had used to get his PhD at UCLA and to get published by um, University of California Press, which also happens to be my publisher. So God bless him. Um, And uh, yeah, he knew that people come to their beliefs not through reason, but through emotion and there's a vast body of psychological experimentation that backs that up and Carlos studied it
0: and he implemented it and can you talk about how he he uh, put together this group you call a cult and what was its what were its central ideas?
1: you know the, the thing with the cult is as far as I know, it always starts with one person, with, um, with one leader and one follower. And that started really almost the same time that he began working on, on his first book, and that was in 1960. And it stayed, you know, very small at first, but I, I think the key things that Carlos, Carlos lived in fantasy, and he needed other people to join that fantasy with him. And that's one way of looking at what cults really are. And there's also, of course, the ego reinforcement and the and the narcissism, because there's something that happens at the very beginning of the teachings of Don Juan that's kind of extraordinary that no one noticed, which is that Don Juan who is the brujo, as you said, and, you know, most people called him a shaman, even though Carlos actually didn't use that word for him. The, the brujo, the, the sorcerer says to Carlos, it's been revealed to me that you are the chosen one. Now, you know, I normally kind of a lot of alarm bells you know, should sort of go right. off, off when somebody is saying, you know, that they are the chosen one but Carlos was such an artful writer that he kind of weaves this in. As he weaves in also, and this, uh, I think this is the first time I've spoken on the air about this, um, uh, that he's um, he's a disciple of the devil. He's a Diablero, um, that Don Juan is a Diablero, which is, you know, it's a kind of brujo who gains his powers from devil worship. Um, but that's – it's so subtly done in the first books that, that you know, you could easily overlook it because there's all of this other magical, amazing stuff going on. And the later books, which were – you know, they, they, they sold well. They were all best – almost all of them were sellers in the New York Times. Right. Millions of, copies, right? Millions, millions of copies, right? Millions and millions of copies. Oh, yeah. Uh, easily. I mean, there's no way to know exactly. But, you know, well, I mean, long, long time ago, they passed 10 million copies. Um the later books are just to put it bluntly, they're really crazy. You know, because he's at first he wanted to have academic credibility. So he, you know, was very careful. And it's all longer that he stayed within his own kind of fantasy world and developed this cult around him that reinforced him, you know, the the deeper off into it he went.
0: Would you consider that going into the occult?
1: Going into the occult, did you say?
0: Yes, occult. So like I he. I hear the question. No, it's okay. Um, I'm just saying, like, you say that in the beginning he was a diabolieri or a devil worshiper, but as he got later on, did you feel like that devil worship was more emphasized in the later books?
1: Yeah, I, I think that what happens is this. I I think that at the beginning it's one of many ideas that he's playing around with. You know, he's Carlos was very hostile, you know, with, with some good reason, um toward um Christianity, especially toward um toward the Catholic Church. And that goes into issues in his childhood in Peru and also um the, the probability that he was a, a a crypto Jew that he was descended from the the secret Jews of um, of Peru, um, but as what happens in the seven, you know, at first he's riding high; he's on the cover of Time Magazine. Everybody wants to meet him. Um, yeah, he he couldn't be bigger, and it happened very suddenly. But then, in the late seventies, once some of his uh, you know his vast plagiarism you know began to be revealed. People at UCLA, whose respect he actually always really wanted very deeply, began to avoid him and shun him. And uh, you know, he 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 read his reviews. He knew what was what was going on in the culture at large. And I think this took him into a dark, dark place where some of the ideas about. Um, Devil worship and Don Juan being a diablero, um, which may have been kind of more playful or not necessarily totally committed to. By the end of the seventies, he was uh, he was he was very serious about it.
0: Wow, fascinating! I didn't know that. And so, how did he? What happened after he kind of got exposed in the late seventies? How did Carlos Castaneda's life
1: progressed from there. Well, you know, the thing is people, because nobody knew anything about him, it was possible to project and imagine all kinds of, you know, mysterious things going on. For the most part, he was living in Westwood, um, uh, you know, about a 15-minute walk from the UCLA campus um, in this house with... um, uh, Uh, first they were called, he called these women who were his followers, first they were called the winds, later he called them the witches. Um, And he, he, I think, had a kind of fantasy of establishing this sort of alternate academy. Um, uh, You know, and he slowly began to, you know, gather more followers. Um, He was always very busy having a career as a compulsive seducer um that's you know it would require an endless book to to chronicle all of that he was definitely a some kind of sexual compulsive um so he's busy with that um and he he loved to just play mind games on people that took up a lot of time and he was writing he was a prolific writer um and, you know and i think in a way what led to him taking the cult public and having these workshops and uh, making, making it a much more theatrical f- project um, uh, was simply the need for excitement and the need to, you know, keep his followers excited. There's always a thing with him of like, oh, something amazing is right around the corner. It's something incredible is going to be revealed. And that's in the books. Um, and it was true in real life, too. Because somebody new would be brought into the group and it would be you. You, you are the magical one. You have the special energy and you are going to take us to what he would call the second attention was, was often what he called it, which just meant another world, but he never, he never defines just what it is, this amazing thing that they're going to reach.
0: And what were the doctrines of tensegrity?
1: God, that is really hard to say. Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, I can say it gets very abstruse. Um, one important thing about Carlos was that his mentor was a fellow named Harold Garfinkel, who is a professor of sociology at UCLA, who was a, you know, some people say is one of the top 10 sociologists of the 20th century. Um, and uh, this gets into some pretty abstruse stuff, but the gist of it is that we assemble our own realities. One of the Central tenets of Don Juan, of the shaman of Castaneda and of his mentor, Garfinkel, is that reality is an agreed upon description. In other words, you can look at a house from a certain angle, describe it one way. I'll look at it from another way and describe it a different way. Both of those things are valid, but when we can agree upon how to describe it, that's what most people consider reality which is true enough you know, for the nation state. There's no United States if people don't agree that there is. There's no money if people don't agree that money is real. Carlos, though, took that to be also about the physical world, that there are no rocks or trees or buildings without that. And this does get around to tensegrity because the idea, and it's totally wacky, basically, is that through doing these movements, you will assemble your perceptions of reality differently and thus enter another world. If you you know listen to the to the recordings, watch the videos of Tensegrity or read anything about it, you know, it's it's just endlessly complicated. And that's you know another thing that cult leaders, some cult leaders like to do is just give some but some people has absolutely be completed and that will exhaust it you know it's all crap because they were claiming this was stuff that was handed down you know from
0: right that came out of this shamanic background Oh, we lost him i guess we lost him right there um Let's see. Carlos Castaneda. One of the interesting things, if you guys are listening, if you want to go to the podcast, Trickster, The Many Lives of Carlos Castaneda, you can see that he was influenced by Aldous Huxley and the Doors of Perception. So he integrated some of that stuff into Tensegrity. And uh, yeah, he was an interesting guy. came from Peru, and uh, these books are all over the place. Very influential in the 60s. I think it was uh, George Lucas who said that The dynamic between Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker was the dynamic between Carlos Castaneda and Don Juan, the so-called Brujo. But uh, that part of actual Mexico, my understanding is that it had all kinds of weird cults and all kinds of uh, strange occultism, things like that going way back back to the Spanish conquest, uh, is my understanding of all that stuff. But uh, we'll see if Mr. Marshall is going to make it back or here or not. I'm <laughs> not sure. But the trickster, the many lives of Carlos Castaneda, you can get that on iTunes. You can get it on – are you back? Still there? Hello? Yeah, it's you okay. I kept, talk minute, I, yeah. Kept I kept talking. I kept talking. I kept talking. Yeah, I kept talking the whole time. Um. So you oh, kind of okay. bop- yeah, yeah, blacked out. it. At... Yeah, it's okay. You backed out right there, kind of at Tensegrity. So leading up, so this is a serial womanizer as well, and it leads up, so he has these girls, the witches, and he passes away in 1998. What happens next?
1: Um, well, they start, you know, Tensegrity really starts taking off in, um, you know, in 1990, and it's just one of those things that, you know, it's. they start with a few workshops, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, more and more people are drawn in. Uh, you know, they're making. And Carlos was never motivated by profit, but he was supporting so many women that you know they needed needed money for it. Um, so by you know by 1995, it's uh, uh, a very big thing. And increasingly, in these workshops, Carlos talks about taking the leap. We're all going to take the leap together. Now, if you've read the books, um, you'll remember at the end of book four, um, Carlos himself takes the leap, which is literally the character Carlos does. And that means that he jumps off a cliff. And um, instead of, it's to show his complete faith in, in the teachings of Don Juan. And because he has gone through this great sorceric apprenticeship, instead of dying, he, um, he does not. He actually wakes up in, in, uh, in Westwood. And um, so you, you didn't really, really need too much to know that um, you know, what he was talking about was that they would, would do something similar and that they would do it together. Also, he starts um, becoming ill. Carlos, um, like many people of this ilk, um, you know, taught that illness was just a failure of the will. You know, it was you know, kind of in line with the whole kind of set of teachings, going back to Christian Science. You know, um, he's he's not a big believer in in science, in real science at all. Um, so it was impossible for them to admit he might. Be very seriously ill and it turned out that um, that he had liver cancer, but this had to be. Kept from from the followers and I don't think I think the very, very late in the game were were they able to even admit it to themselves at all, Um, because it went straight against their most central kinds of beliefs, which, which had to do with which was first of all that Castaneda was not going to die. He was going to turn into a ball of light and ascend into the heavens. Um, that was, you know, that was one of the teachings at that, at that point. Um, uh, but yeah, he wanted people to to go with him. And that's, you know, basically cult leaders do not like to be alone. And it right. uh, sounds like it, Marshall you know, Applewhite, do not. Marshall
0: Applewhite of uh, what's it's, that? Well,
1: Applewhite yeah. was exactly in 1997 it was a, really a year before, you know, and wow. there are these chilling uh, records of, you know, they're they're joking about it and saying, oh, you know, not we're not that cult, you know, but Carlos was fully aware of of that. You know, it's, wow. it's I think same thing happened on a vastly larger scale with Jim Jones or with Porrest. Yes. Yes you know um, they know the
0: solar down. temple, I don't know if you've and ever heard of the
1: solar temple go down alone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think it's true, if I may say so, of, of Trump too. It's like he was willing to bring down everything um, uh, rather than you know go out in go out in humiliation, you know if he could if he could get away with that. Um, and uh, but you know, finally, he died. Um, then there were um, five women, um, and two of them were his witches. There was one of the witches, you know, at the last minute decided not to go, um, and she, Carol Tiggs, she went on to become the kind of ethereal mother of the of the cult, which still continues to this day and still teaches um, tensegrity around the world and in Southern California. And then three other women, including Nuri, who is... Um, you know, I mentioned earlier who was his adopted daughter and also one of his, you know, countless women that he was, I won't say his lover, that's a little too generous, you know, women that he had sex with. Um, uh, they disappeared. Um, uh, her car was found in Death Valley pretty pretty soon after. Um, but her the skeletal remains were not found until 2003. Um, and a positive identification wasn't made until 2006, which was just about when I started to work on this article about whatever happened to Carlos Costaneda, And I somehow chanced upon this and I was like, holy shit, um, this is a really intense story. And nobody, one one newspaper in Nevada covered it, nobody else did. Um, it just went completely unremarked on.
0: Wow, fascinating. So these women disappeared, and have they, what, has anybody researched it or found out whatever happened to them?
1: Lots of people, lots of people have researched it. Um, um, you know, the, the most important things I think to know is that um, after many attempts to, to find anything, there's no trace of any kind of financial activity on their part. Um, and these were women for the most part who had been with them, you know, some, one of them from you know, the early sixties on, they did not have any other skills other than to be, you know, a magical being, which was, you know, part of the appeal. You got to be, you know, a witch, you know, you got right. to be this very exciting being in the world, but that was their job, you know, and you're, you're middle age, late middle age, um, you're suddenly supposed to go out and make your way in the world with that. Um, it, that's a challenge. Um, the other thing is that they did not, in particular, get along with each other. You know, it was always a thing of kind of who's, who does Carlos, you know, love the most or who's, who's in the golden light at the moment. Um, so, you know, I cannot say with certainty that they committed suicide, nor can I say with certainty that they went to Death Valley. Um, but the, the the other overwhelming thing is that if you listen to um, or read the transcripts of the uh, of these workshops and seminars, there's basically endless talk. If you can know how to decode it about suicide, you know they they don't call it suicide; they call it taking the leap. Um, but there's um, uh, there's there's just pretty endless. Um, Evidence that that was the plan, you know, so I don't think it's too out there to um, To conclude that and they could you know, it would have been very difficult in a way for them not to have Done it because it would have been impossible within the inner circle to to say this is a really bad idea because you would have been thrown out and that was they had been trained for years, you know, not to do that. And in a cult, you're you are, you are tricked. People don't join cults because there's a sign that says, hey, it's a cult. I want to join. They join because they go to a meeting of something. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time. They're targeted. Um, and the leader or the leader's minions, they practice love bombing. They will tell this person how amazingly special and wonderful they are. Um, and You know, we all like to hear that. He did the same thing with his UCLA professors. You know, he told them their theories were being validated by a mystical Indian. They loved it. Um, And then you get people addicted to this kind of love bombing. And um, then you tell them to really be with us. You have to leave your parents. You have to leave your boyfriend. And then you've got them.
0: And do you know how many people he accumulated into his cult? Yeah, it's sad. It is sad. Do you know how many people he accumulated?
1: It's it's really hard to say, well, because um, there are many different um, kind of layers to the onion. You know, um, at at one point I did a whole kind of map of the of the cult, and uh, you know, people came in and out to to a certain degree. But let's say there by the end there are about a hundred. Um, uh, I'm saying this on the radio. I'm, I'm not sure I, 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 I actually should. But um, th- there are, you know, if not, the, the, the very core group is small. It's about 15 people. And gotcha. then there's, you know, about 100 people circling outside of that. And then, you know, then there are, you know, a few thousand people who um, come to the seminars and, you know, to some degree are, um, you know, following the path. And there are a lot of people who never even, you know, meet Castaneda or the witches who are following the path on their own, because he says to, you know, cut off these attachments in his books. And people think that by doing this, they're going to, you know, find Don Juan and um, uh, all of the terrible problems they have will be solved. And he left a substantial estate, Correct. Not really. No, that's uh, that is a that is an urban rumor. Um, uh, you know, people thought he had a ton of money, but you know, supporting you know he was supporting like fifth I, I don't know quite a few women at the time of his death. It had been for years. The books were not selling the way that they. That they used to. Um, he had some. He owed a ton of money to the IRS. He had an estate of about four hundred thousand dollars when he died, which I think was probably a massive disappointment um, to those um, to those close to him. To people thought him. he had millions and millions of dollars, but he did not.
0: Well, where can people find? What's the best place for people to find and listen to the podcast? And when can they expect to see your book?
1: Yeah, go to um, www. Um, www.tricksterpodcast.com. Um, that's tricksterpodcast.com. And for the book, um, well, I'm I'm in the middle of uh, you know changing my name, you know, like Carlos and so forth. But you can go to my my traditional website, which is www.robertmarshall.net. There will be a new one soon, but it will direct you there um, or just write to, you know, university of California and say, Hey, when's the coming out? Right. Um, it should be, ne- it should be next September, but, um, gotcha. you know, these So it's Robert quite happen
0: on time. True. Robert Marshall.net. And do you have social media? If somebody wants to read out, reach out to you or email?
1: Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, and, um, I'm on Twitter, but nobody follows me. So, um, Maybe this will be the beginning of, of something. And I'm, I'm so not on Twitter, I'm not even sure what my handle is. I, I think gotcha. it's Diathanous NYC.
0: Gotcha. And you have on your website, you have a contact information. Maybe there, you can, so I somebody... can send you the right thing. Sure, whatever you want. You can send it. Yep. I'll put it in the show Absolutely. notes. I'll put it Absolutely. in the show I'm notes. i happy to hear
1: from people.
0: Cool. And it's Robert Marshall, and the podcast is Trickster. The many lives I, I should
1: know that, I guess, right?
0: Trickster: The Many Lives of Carlos Castaneda. Thank you so much, Robert.
1: Trickster Podcast.
0: Trickster oh, yeah, yeah. Podcast.
1: Yes, and it's great. Thank you All right, so thank much, you. William. It's very fun.
0: Right. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. 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 Are you too? Bye. Bye.